Hey y'all, today I am so excited to talk about our topic because I think that it's like maybe the most important topic we can talk about. I am a little afraid that these next couple episodes are going to be repetitive, but we're just gonna roll with it and see what happens. Um, if you're new around here, this is a limited series, so all of this has been planned out like the topics have, but I don't really write anything except for a list of what we're gonna talk about, like a bullet point list. Um, <laughs> so hopefully it's not too repetitive, but today we are going to talk about mixing what you love with what sells. And it's going to be a freaking blast. So my name is Lisa Chandler. I am a longtime wedding photographer who started a print on demand little side Etsy shop. Um, totally just stumbled upon it <laughs> back in 2022. And I now sell mock-ups and print on demand in addition to being a full-time photographer. And it's just really fun. And I'm so excited to talk about print on demand with you today. So let's go. Okay, so paying attention to what customers like really matters. And I have like a story for you um, to like kind of back this up. So as I've mentioned before, I am a longtime wedding photographer. And back in 2018, my friend and I decided to add some dress rentals to my business because uh, I had so many, I just had so much stuff. Like I just had stuff everywhere. And this is one of the reasons that print on demand was actually really appealing to me when I found it was like, I have so much stuff in my office. Like I have, I had so many just like dresses from photo shoots, like ribbons from bouquets, like just all kinds of stuff from photo shoots and <laughs> selling mock-ups. It's worse now than it was then. <laughs> but um, I have like a closet that's half wedding dresses and half like Bella Canvas t-shirts. <laughs> um, so it's really, really like was really a fun thing to do was we started just running out basically like a lot of photographers have like style closets. And so I had that, but I've just taken that style closet and I rent it out to other photographers on top of what I um, use for myself. So it's really fun, really great. But when I started my photo shoot dress rentals, all I wanted was to rent out the most extra maximalist stuff ever because I shoot a lot of that if I shoot like a fun session or like what they're called a styled shoots, like to like build variety into your portfolio. And so think like lots of tool and glitter and flowers, like really maximalist, love a flower dress, love a flower dress more if it's like somewhat 3D. Love it. Um, and those things do rent. So I've been doing this since 2018 and those kinds of dresses do rent. And there was a hot minute where like everyone was running the huge tool gowns. Um, but you know what rents more? <laughs> classic wedding dresses. So as a photographer who done a lot of collaborations with bridal salons, I almost didn't add any classic wedding dresses to my dress rentals, but I had a couple left over from some shoots I'd done for like mentorships where I just um, had planned everything myself and ordered like um, budget wedding dresses for it. Um, and so I had some and so I added them into my, um, my closet that I was running out. And so... <laughs> Those were the ones. Um, I didn't really even think of this as an option, but to my customer base, this was super valid. And to this day, I rent more of those classic wedding dresses than I do the super glittery maximalist style ones. So it was a super valid decision to add that to my business, especially because many of my customers, um, I thought no one would want to do that because like if I want to shoot a normal wedding dress, I'll collaborate with a bridal salon. Even now, like having um, a dress rental 
extension of my business that's very low key. It's just, you know, a couple of wedding dresses a month, really. At this point, it used to be a little bit more, but that's how it is right now. And um, what I love about that is like, I would love like if I'm going to shoot like a wedding dress, like a traditional wedding dress, I'm going to collaborate with a local brand to do that. Um, But if I'm going on a trip, it's harder. And so what happens with my dress rentals is a lot of times people rent them and they rent the more classic, smaller wedding dresses because they're easy to pack and then take on trips with them and do like a location shoot, which is awesome. So this is something that I really like had to pay attention to when I was just, and my um, dress rentals have always just been very side. I would say at this point, I've done them less than I've done print on demand. Um, But they've been so fun and so wonderful. But they were upfront work with like shooting the dresses and gaining more inventory and things like that. And then it kind of just like, did its thing and it still does its thing and it's wonderful and um I love it I love the wedding dresses but it did not go exactly in the way that I expected and so when I would add inventory that was something I really had to pay attention to and I think that like doing that was really great for me as I stepped into print-on-demand and mock-up photography because it really helped me like see that sometimes what we want to create isn't exactly what we end up creating. And I think that like when you're starting a new creative journey, because I know that a lot of so we've talked about this and I'm just going to keep harping on it because everyone comes at like print on demand from their own unique experiences. But personally, like I came at print on demand because I wanted to diversify my photography income by adding photography merch to my dress rental website. And that was like such a fun and creative thing to do for me. But when I started it, I thought that I'd maybe make like 10 shirt designs as soon as I got as soon as I became a strong enough designer and learned like the platform a little bit, I thought that I would add like maybe 10 or 15 designs and like have those up on my website and that would be like it. I was not planning to build an Etsy shop with like thousands of listings and I definitely didn't even know that mock-up photography like existed. Like I knew there were mock-up photographs in the world, but I never know and I still don't know anyone who created mock-up photos. Like I just didn't know anyone who did like personally know. Of course, I know there's other Etsy sellers that do it, but like I had never like in my photography friend group, I'd never heard that even like discussed. Like I've talked about stock photography with photographers, but we never talked about mock-up photography. So I didn't even know it was like an option. And so discovering this um, whole genre was so great. And it was also something that like, if I hadn't have been able to like willing to pivot, I would not have been able to create the shops that I have now. And I will say that like with my shops, like I know this is a print on demand podcast and that's what we're talking about. And I love print on demand. So of the thing of the two shops, I have definitely put more effort into the mock-up photos. So right now I have less mock-up listings than I do print on demand listings. But one reason for that is like my mock-ups are like planned out and well thought out and edited. So like I pay so much attention to those edits. I want to build a brand through my mock-ups, of course, for my mock-up shop, but also for anyone who is going to use those mock-ups. I want them to be able to use them on their website and have it flow very beautifully. Like that's important to me. Um, I love that about mock-up photos. I love photography. Like I'll just say it a million times. I love photography and I am a photographer at my heart. However, I'm also just creative and I like making stuff. So for 
me, the print on demand is like this fun and creative outlet where yes, it started to sell stuff for photographers, but it wasn't photographers who were buying my stuff. And because of that, I became a bookish, like, and history shop, which is fantastic for me because as someone who is a photographer, I love photography and I love everything about photography, but I have a history degree. Like I have a degree in history. We've talked about this before. I love European history. I just love women's history and I love awesome books of like all kinds. And so for me, it's like I can like be reading a fantasy romance book and like, you know, go through like three of them in two weeks, maybe a week. I don't know. <laughs> and um, then be like, oh, I'm going to make some funny um, like fantasy fairy inspired t-shirts. And it's fun for me because I can have the idea and have it done in like 30 minutes from idea to listing being finished. So for me, it's like almost like a dopamine hit of like, let's get it up and see if it sells. I like doing that. It is a fun thing to do. However, if I hadn't paid attention to what I never, I never would have had the idea to be like, I'm going to sell bookish stuff. Now, even though I've read tons of books my whole life, I've always been a book girl. I never would have been like, let's go and like sell bookish merch because that's not something that like I I don't really like have a lot like I've never been someone like there's like people who have big like bookstagram followers like on Instagram and on TikTok there's big book talk um people I have no desire as much as I love books I don't want to have a book Instagram I don't want to have a book TikTok if I had a TikTok that was not about photography which I don't even post on that one. But if I did, it'd probably be about gardening because I love to talk about gardening, right? But I love (laughs) books and I have some gardening stuff, but no one ever buys my gardening stuff. So I don't make any more gardening stuff. Now I love photography and my photography stuff doesn't sell as well as my bookish stuff, but I still make photography stuff because that was the original goal and because it ties everything together. So I love that. So I want everyone, as we talk about these, um, items really to know that like I'm coming from this at a way where I am not a huge print on demand seller. You can look at my shop. They have the same name. (laughs) I'm not a huge print on demand seller, but I like creating things with a vibe and it is fun and it's a great way to just like have more, um, income streams within my business. It is so wonderful and I love it. And that's why I think that so often we get in these headspaces with print on demand, like everything that's like available and why I want to do this podcast. I'm totally on a tangent. I hope I'm not totally boring you is that it's not like so often this prison is this like get rich quick thing, quit your job. But there's so many other ways to pursue it. It's fun. Like it's a fun thing to do. And like, you don't have to like want to quit your job to do this. Like this is something you can do. Like if you love drawing, but maybe like you are someone like I know as a mom, sometimes I struggle to do things for myself. So say you really want to draw and you get an iPad and you're like, I'm going to start drawing. And then you don't want to draw anymore because you're like, well, I should rather, I should be hanging out with my kids or I should be doing this or I should be doing that. But you would feel differently if you were able to monetize it a little bit. And so that kind of like, 
because you're still adding stuff. And that's a whole bundle of things we're not even trying to unpack. But I'm just saying, like, it's something that you can do just for yourself or something that you do, like, at night after your kids go to bed. Like, there's so many options with print on demand. And that's why I'm so passionate about helping people learn about it. Because I feel like whenever you look anything up about print on demand, it's either, like, get rich quick or it is, like, and I don't think that even the creators mean it that way, but that's what it comes off as in a lot of titles and stuff like that. Um, and I understand why it's like that, but still it can be hard to see that. And then if you get on posts, like within any like Etsy groups, they do not like print on demand. So it can be really like whiplashy and it's so, but it's such a wonderful opportunity for like an artist who like makes your living doing paintings to be able to take those paintings and put them on a tote bag. I mean, think about like art museums. Art museums have so much in their gift shops that are basically essentially print on demand items from paintings within the museum. And I think that's fantastic because I could never ever afford ever any piece of art at an art museum. Most people never, ever, ever could. And never, never, that would not even be on my wish list. Like that's so far above like what I could do as a person. Like I can't buy a piece of art that's $200,000. And that's a cheap one at a museum. Like, but I could buy a tote bag (laughs) for $25 with that piece of art on it. And so that's why sometimes our shops evolve in unexpected ways and why we need to pay attention to that and why paying attention to customers matters. Because this whole thing, I've already talked for like 20 minutes, and the whole thing that matters is that we, by paying attention to our customers and what they're buying, the more we can like mold that business to keep growing and evolving in a way that of course can bring in income for our families because we want that, like, right? Like I'm a mom, like I want my kids, I wanna be able to pay for whatever I can for them. Like it's so important to me that we have, um, are able to do stuff together, you know? And um, that means that sometimes I have to sacrifice really late late nights to work. And that's totally fine. I'm very happy to do that. Um, So yeah, mix what you love with what sells. So if you want to design merch for frog lovers, but the turtle lovers find you, don't laugh. (laughs) Don't be afraid to pivot. It's okay to keep creating turtle merch, but you'll want to add in just as much frog merchandise. I'm not saying it has to be like tack for tack, but definitely spend some time creating for the stuff your customers are searching for. And this throws back to like the classic wedding dresses and the maximalist wedding dresses. If you go to my rental site now, you will see that there's a lot of very like, Um, satin type, very classic wedding dresses mixed in with very ostentatious wedding dresses. And the satin ones get rented more than the extra ones. But if I'm going to shoot something, I'm not going to shoot the satin ones. So I want the maximalist ones. (laughs) So your business will evolve as much as you allow it. And while you may have started out wanting to sell mugs with cute turtle designs, your bestseller might be a frog design on a canvas tote bag. That's totally valid. And honestly, it's ridiculously cool too. Like, isn't it so amazing that our businesses can grow on their own? I think it's wonderful. So I talked about this for my, um, print-on-demand shop, but I want to talk a little bit about um, my mock-up shop. So what to do when one item pops off. And so for me, the first thing that popped off in my mock-up shop was a tote bag. It was a tote bag photo that I almost didn't put up because it had like part of the model's arm in it. It was my sister-in-law. She came in clutch for me that day. And um, 
a lot of my mock-up models are people are models I've known for years and people that are connected to my family or in my family. <laughs> so um, she uh, put like her arm out and you could see a good chunk of her arm and there was a front of flowers. And that was my first actual bestseller, bestseller badge, bestseller everything um, on my mock-up shop. And uh, that happened like last fall when I only had a couple of items up, maybe like, at, maybe at the time I had like, I shot that photo in September and I did put it up within like a week of shooting it. And I think it was a bestseller by like November. Um, but I still hadn't really added anything to the shop. There was not a lot there. So that was the first time where I was like, oh, cause I was a little wishy-washy on the mock-up shop. And then I was like, okay, I guess this could work. And I started adding really well. Um, in the middle of December, I started adding more and then I really started adding in January, um, and like shooting more fun stuff. Um, so Okay, so that was the first thing that popped off. And I was like, okay, so I need to sh shoot more tote bags. And so I shot more tote bags and tote bags are great. But in my mock-up shop now, I've noticed a trend in the past couple of weeks that I sell a ton of mug photographs. And there's trends for this going back. I sell my full mug gallery all of the time. So as a longtime portrait and wedding photographer, though, this is not what I had in mind when I started selling mock-up photos. Even crazier, as a wedding photographer, I thought of like flat lay photographs. I'd sell a lot of wedding invitation setups. Like I'm very experienced photographing wheel, I can talk, I can talk real wedding invitation flat lays, right? Like it's something I've done um, for years, right? So um, <laughs> I, and I love shooting them. Like it's fun. Like it's a fun thing to set up those flat lays. As mock-ups though, they're not totally my jam. I overthink them because I have so many options. And while I'm very happy with the photographs I produce from my little sessions in my office, a lot of those that, that like sell the most are not the ones that I've styled really well. A lot of them are ones that I've just like popped up like against a coffee mug and put up. And like those card ones sell just as well as the ones I've like styled and like bought props for. So like with leftovers from a mock-up shoot that I've just pulled out because I haven't put all the mock-up stuff away. So I bought like awesome shoes and props for wedding invitation stylings that still haven't been created because I'm just shooting other stuff. And specifically when I go to shoot a flat lay now, I usually just pull the mugs because those sell so well for me and I don't really have to do much besides have the model hold it over the backdrop or I put it on like a table with a tablecloth on it. It's not really a table. It's a little um, ottoman. That's what most of mine are shot on are a little ottoman <laughs> um, with a tablecloth on top of it. Um, and then I take those, I take just a couple minutes and then it takes me a few minutes to edit them and I put them up. And that doesn't mean that like I won't ever do the wedding flat lays, but it means that wedding flat lays are on the back burner for me at this time. And because the mug, until the mug the mug ones sell more, so I'm gonna photograph more mug photos than I'm going to sell wedding invite flat lays. And that's not gonna happen for everyone. Every shop is different. That's something that I think is so important for anyone listening to education about print on demand or online businesses is what, even if you have the exact same replica of what someone else says, if you have their exact business plan, it's not necessarily gonna work the same for you because if someone's teaching you something, they've already done it hopefully. And, um, <laughs> so like, 
an item could become a bestseller on Etsy because somebody was on it at the right time or on any platform. Like it's like that even with like Instagram likes, all you need is that one person to see it to build out. But sometimes the right person doesn't see it. And so like I definitely have print on demand designs that I love way more and mock-up photographs that I love way more that like barely sell or have sold once or twice compared to items that I'm a little more wishy-washy about that sell like every day. And that's something that is really something that can happen and why it's so important to mix what you love with what sells. I think that when you are creating stuff, so back to the turtle and the frog stuff, like if you want to make turtle merch, I think you should absolutely keep making (laughs) turtle merch. But you also need to add in those frogs. You need to keep making stuff that really, um, does that, that pulls those two things. And I would also find something. So like if you are expanding, say you want to make, um, I'll use this example because I do a lot of flowers. So if you want to make turtle merch with flowers, I'm not sure how that would work, but you know what I mean? You're making designs with turtles and flowers. I would try to incorporate that with the frogs. So like you, instead of doing frogs, you're also adding in, instead of doing turtles, you're doing frogs as the main subject, but you're still doing the flowers and the elements that you like to work with. So it's still fun. It's still wonderful and awesome. Like, I'm not gonna lie, my print on demand shop, I sell a lot of cat stuff and I don't have a cat. I have dogs. Um, but I think cats are cute, especially in clip art. Like they're super cute. Like, let's go for it, you know? Um, but I love dogs and there's not a lot of dog stuff on there. I love my dogs. My dogs were literally always with me. That's why you always hear them bark- barking <laughs> in these podcasts. Um, and uh, like, I sell a ton of cat stuff. Like it's a fun thing to design. They're cute and adorable, but like, I never would have thought that I was going to sell cat merch because I don't even have a cat. I have dogs. And um, that's why it's so important to just keep your shop evolving, like pay attention to what sells. And I did want to talk about like one more example. So we talked about turtles and um frogs, which is easy to like switch things because they're both like amphib. I don't know what a turtle is, a reptile, a reptile and amphibians, you know, they're reptiles. So they can, you can, they're not, they're, my son is like super into animals. So he would like be aghast at the things I've just said about animals. Um, so, but they're animals. Say what you really wanted to do was watermelon themed shirts, but your client loves frogs playing guitars. What do you do and how do you reconcile these things? And this is our big last point, guys. Um, but like if you want to do watermelon shirts, but your clients want those frogs playing guitars, what you do is you take those frogs playing guitars and you find a way to add the watermelons in. Maybe that works. Maybe it doesn't. If it works, great. You can build from that. And what that means is then you can have more watermelon themed stuff and frog stuff. And then you have watermelon and frog stuff combined. So you have the things that are separate, you have them together. So things flow better and it's more, you don't have to make a full brand with print on demand, but you have more of a connection and the connection is always good. Even if it's because if you are selling stuff that has watermelons and frogs and you're selling stuff that has frogs, someone who doesn't like frogs isn't going to buy just a frog shirt, but they might buy, like if they're, you know, kind of like whatever about frogs, they could easily buy the watermelon and frog shirt and they definitely could be there for the watermelons. So like, there's connections, you know what I mean? And then it makes sense, like you have more data on what's selling and more keywords on what's getting picked up. And then you just keep pivoting until maybe you don't just have, like maybe your whole thing becomes, you start with watermelon shirts, but what you have now are 
merch of frogs playing guitar sitting on different kinds of fruit. So you have them on pineapples, you have them on bananas, you have them on apples, and it becomes this cute, kitschy thing. I know that sounds ridiculous, and it is kind of ridiculous. I'm not playing that down. But there is so many options on what you can do. And that's why you keep playing around with it and keep twisting it and seeing how you can incorporate those things together. Because some of the stuff that sells that when you see like print on demand shops is absolutely wild. Some of it is boring and some of it is absolutely wild. And if you like making wild stuff, why not make the wild stuff? Like go for it. Just keep paying attention to what's selling. Keep twisting. You're going to have a lot of duds, like a lot of things that don't sell, a lot of things that don't move. But what you're also going to have is a lot of data. And that's so important. And with all of this and kind of like talking about um, the mock-up shops too. I, ha- I had a thought when making these, so I know I said the last one was the last point, but I did want to hit really hard for a second about AI. And that is that I would not depend on it because the, I'm not saying don't use AI at all. I don't like AI mock-ups, but that's a whole episode for a whole episode for another thing because I think it's Uncanny Valley. Um, but like what I think about AI is that we don't have all the rules and regulations for it. So I, I know you, and you don't even know half the time if you're buying, if you're getting clip art from somewhere, it could be AI generated. But what I mean is don't just rely on AI because we don't know what those laws are going to look like later on. So as you're evolving what makes, what you love with what sells, if you like AI, go for it. But I would not in any way just rely on that AI. Again, I'm not a lawyer and we don't know what the future is going to be with AI. But because we don't know, I would definitely try to incorporate different elements in anything that has some AI in it because you don't know what the law is going to be like. And you would I would hate for someone to build a shop off of AI and then for two years for them to be like, oh, we can't do that anymore. Because then what will you do with all that work? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's just really wishy-washy. And you also cannot protect your designs as much as you could if you used other things because it's AI. Okay, so that's my thoughts on this one, guys. I hope it was helpful. I feel like I went on a total tangent and also kind of like I'm yelling. I have a really quiet voice. So like I have to really like amplify it a lot when I do these podcast recordings. But yeah, just pay attention to what is selling and mix what you love with those things. So if you love flowers and you want to design with flowers, it's always my example because I love extra. Have the flowers, but have things that maybe don't have the flowers too. And then have things that have one or two flowers. And then some that have a bunch of flowers. Just have fun with it. And before you know it, you're going to have a style and then that turns into a brand and then everything is awesome and it's just going to be so fun. So remember, you can do this. It's not something that you need to feel like you have to conquer in a year or two years and definitely not in a couple of weeks, guys. This is a long-term project, art project for you to do. Think of it that way. Like this is something you're going to work on and it's going to be so fantastic. You're going to have so many ideas. Don't rush yourself. Just have fun with it. Have a good time and hopefully, you know, get some of those sales. Okay. I'll talk to you later. Bye.